Well, I'm very pleased to say that for today's Betting People, I'm joined by Joao de Mata, who uh, I met through working in TV, but uh, I'm sure we'll talk much more about that in a little while. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I can't really introduce you as one thing in particular because you're a, a man of many talents, but just start by giving us a very brief intro about who you are and how a sort of life associated with gambling started for you. Oh, hello, Judy. Uh, hello, viewers. Um, yeah, I mean, we met on television. Um, oh, I've been punting for a long time. Uh, I started roughly when I was seven, back in South Africa with my dad and all his mates, taking what, what is commonly known in the UK as a play spot. In South Africa, it's called a place accumulator. Um, and I just felt I, I loved horse racing from, from that moment. Uh, not just the betting side of it, um, I do like the betting side of it, but I love the whole, the whole thing. Um, and um, yeah, I'm looking back now. I'm 51, so I'm looking back over the last 44 years at Dancing Brave, See the Stars, Franco, all these things that I've witnessed, and it's remarkable. Um, obviously, I'm from South Africa. Um, I don't know if this is too interesting, but a lot of people that I bump into now at the races tell me that they thought I commuted from South Africa to the UK for my Saturday morning show, which I find quite funny, to be fair. No, uh, 23 years I've been living here already. So, yeah, and um, I'm involved in a lot of things. I've got, I've got businesses. Um, I've got a fiber optic business. I've got an electrical business. But, I mean, that's, like, really vanilla and quite boring. Um, the passion lies with the, uh, with the racing and the betting and the and uh, doing things with people, you know, going out, playing golf, having a great time. So, yeah, that's it, really. Um, when you were young in South Africa as well, horse racing and, and gambling was very much part of the culture, wasn't it? Yes. And, 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 and before we came on, you said to me, really, you were gambling at seven? And I said to you, well, I wasn't only gambling at seven. I was working in an off-license at the age of 10. Um, but there were different times, right? Um, I mean, we were refugees into South Africa from, from Mozambique. So um, there were five of us in the family. And I, I, can, I remember the five of us having a turn of sardines with one sardine each for dinner when we got there. So we had to graft. Um, and most immigrants do, you know, um, or refugees even we were. Um, but obviously, you know, hard work pays off and things start looking up and whatever. And then you start taking place accumulators. <laughs> and... Um, 44 years later, you're doing podcasts <laughs> on a device the size of a credit card. It's remarkable. But, yeah, it was a different time. So it wasn't unusual for, for somebody to work at a young age or to, to gamble. You weren't allowed to. You weren't allowed to go to the tote and play. But, I mean, there's three very important let letters when it comes to, to Africa. And that's TIA, which stands for This is Africa. So if you were standing at a tote and you needed to get your place accumulator on, Provided you had the cash, it was always somebody of age that would put it on for you. Um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that much of a challenge, to be honest. And there were two essential items that you used to take to school. Yeah, my radio. Always had my radio with me. And my my race, my form. So in in South Africa, still today, uh, next week, Wednesday's form is form form guide is already out. So we don't have 24-hour decks or whatever it is over here in England. So our form, our form is able to be printed sometimes seven, eight days in advance. 
So you can imagine what it was like every night, just lying in bed, just studying form for the next four or five meetings that were coming up. It was just, it was, it was lovely, lovely. And we'll come on later to your sort of unique tack when it comes to betting. We'll, we'll go into that more in depth later. But sure. you started learning from a young age by from the people that you were surrounded by. Again, oh, I've been blessed. Um, you know, I grew up, my dad had a restaurant, so loads of, you know, in this day and age, it might sound weird, but loads of older men would come after work, plumbers, boilermakers, electricians. They'd come for a couple of drinks. They'd sit playing cards, rummy, poker, work out their bets for the next day. And um, I was talking to somebody the other day. I've got an eclectic mixture of friends, but most of my best friends are no longer with me because when I was 14, I was being sort of mentored or watching 45, 50-year-old men playing poker, dealing with bad beats, you know, <laughs> going all in with a pair of aces and getting done by two and a seven by some guy who had just arrived from planet Mars or whatever. So I learned a lot from these guys. You know, I learned about um, winning with a smile, losing with a smile. I learned how to play poke, how to play rummy, how to play dice, how to punt on horses. And it was just, yeah, uh, by the time I was 40, most of these guys were no longer with us, you know. Um, but listen, it was it was fantastic, and I've got a ten-year-old son. A lot of some of the viewers would have seen him once or twice on the telly, and and I do try and take him to certain things where I think it's appropriate-ish for him to just. He can play on his on his phone or whatever he plays on. Business have an ear for um, for what some of the older guys are doing because. I don't think it's too shabby to sit around a table with a couple of mates and just play poker for an hour or two. Um, yeah, you learn a lot about people doing that, funnily enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you went on to have sort of quite a few roles in horse racing. Again, we'll, we'll touch on some of those. But how did the TV stuff happen? Ooh, I thought you were going to ask me this. Wow. Okay, so I have... Those who remember me from at the races, etc., will know that I pretty much did it as it was. I wore my heart on my sleeve. So um, I'm going to tell you the absolute truth, which is the only way I am. So um, obviously I used to watch the racing on at the races and they started showing South African racing and my absolute, one of my best, best friends, Andrew Riddell was doing the South African racing. And once or twice I disagreed with either what he said or with or, or with how he, I felt, wasn't backing up South African racing sufficiently, okay? So I popped a couple of emails into the studio. <laughs> 20 years later, he calls it hate mail. <laughs> but um, anybody who's ever met Andrew will know that he's just the nicest bloke. So, yeah, after emailing the studio four or five times, or maybe 50 times, he'll say, he says to me, listen, instead of just emailing the studio, why don't you come for dinner? And I went to dinner at his house, met his lovely wife, Cindy, and their son, Santo. We ended up living together, the four of us, to save money. And um, those days, he was doing it for, I can't remember which of the two channels, um, and he couldn't do one day and said, listen, I know somebody will step in for me. And uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's how I got into it. And uh, obviously, you sent me a couple of mails that day just to wind me up. And yeah, then between him and I, we just shared, we shared it for 
well, until about four years ago, I think, or three years ago. So that's how I got into it. Just hate mail, I suppose. <laughs> wow. Let's not encourage that. There's enough of that around. No, no, no. No, let's encourage the other side of it, which is the, hey, listen, brother, just come and meet me and, and, and see what I am as a real person. And then you might like, you might, you might just become friends. And I, I, I do that now. I, I have so many club members, owners in my horses that were former viewers of mine that emailed the studio that I connected with. That was awesome. So yeah, I did I did change my, uh, and it wasn't hate mail, by the way. It was just <laughs> constructive criticism. <laughs> uh, you've got involved in the, the jockey side of things, both as a jockey agent and a jockey mentor. I'm really interested in this because you oh. are a jockey mentor now, aren't you? And, and that's actually oh, yeah. a tough role. I did an interview at Four Star Sports not long ago about how tough being a jockey is in terms of mental health and the demands on them physically and in particular mentally. Uh, Julia, and I'm about to stop. Honestly, I've had the worst two days of my life. So my jockey fell two days ago. He fell, got kicked, and I've struggled to deal with him telling me today, hello, sir, don't worry, I'm riding again on wings. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> you were taken away in an ambulance. I'm, yeah, but he's, um, he's a lovely kid. Um, he's a lovely kid. He came to me about two and a half years ago tough upbringing and I took him under my wing we don't discuss horses at all we discuss life saving credit cards mortgages and then that he's not the only guy in the world whose father left him when he was young there's loads of them and that shouldn't be a barrier to to your success or who you are or who you become you know so yeah it's been awesome it's such 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 a tough gig being a jockey it is so hard Honestly, I'm not even going to talk about the falls, but just getting rides, losing weight. Oh, it's so tough. And uh, they need to be ready. They really do. You know, I mean, they literally ride in races against their friends, but they have to beat their friends to be successful. <laughs> it's crazy. And, and then that when they... When, when Jason wins the race and beats another horse by a short egg, his job is to try and get that guy jocked off so he can ride it next time. It's, it's very, very tough. Very tough, yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I help him. And, yeah, once upon a time, I worked as an agent in South Africa, um, which was also great. Slightly different. I was just getting him rides, and, and I, I didn't have to deal with all this emotional <laughs> roller coaster there. But, listen, anything... anything Worth it is takes time and and, and and is hard, right? So we'll stick it out. He'll be fine. He's tougher than me, clearly. He's told me today he's, he'll be riding again on Wednesday. And I'm like, Phew. and I, I mean, I know, I, I know Sir A.P. McCoy quite well. And I mean, I don't know how they do it. I, I don't know how they do it. I really can, don't. Can you tell us the name of the jockey that you represent? Yes, Jason Gates. Jason Gates is just come out of his apprenticeship, ridden about 90 winners. Um, yeah. A lovely young man, 21. He's got his whole life ahead of him. Beautiful smile. Rides at a lightweight, 48 kilos. I'm not sure what that is in stone. Um, yeah, but it was scary. Eh? It was scary to watch him fall. Oh, really, yeah. So, Zhao de Mata, a uh, very exotic name. Hopefully, I'm saying it nearly right. <laughs> yeah, listen, Julie, it's very exotic, but actually, it's just, in English, it's just John, right? 
<laughs> well, it sounds much better in the, in South African. Uh, you've been only... in ownership of quite a few horses, haven't you? Tell us about that, and tell us about your best moment in horse racing ownership. Uh, my best moment in horse racing ownership. Um, I have a friend here in England called Roy Matteson, and um, I have a very good friend here in England called Phil Maloney, and. Phil and I decided to race a horse here in England, and I got asked to name the horse. So I named it quite a weird name. Um, I, I, I don't know if you know the story of Maccabi Diva, how Maccabi got her name. So Maccabi Diva's name is um, the guy who owned Maccabi Diva, took the first two letters of each of his secretaries and created Maccabi Diva. So it's Maureen Kelly. Beverly, um, Diane, I, I can't remember the, the last one. Um, something like that. I might, I might, I'll stand on a correction, but that's, that was the, the, the premise of how Macaulay Diva got her name. So when Phil and I decided to race this horse in England, we, I named her GVS Il Portenza. So it was, because Phil's Irish, I-R, because I'm Portuguese, P-O-R-T, because the horse was running in England, which was E-N, and because um, I'm also from South Africa, S-A. And we got a couple of friends involved. And one of the guys we got involved is a guy, a gentleman called Roy Matteson, who's a very, very good friend of mine. First horse he ever bought. And it was his first winner. And she won a hurdles race. Or he won. Well, she won. Sorry. She won a hurdles race. I want to say Stratford or something. And Roy lives in Bexley Heath area. And um, he must have phoned me 400 times from... Um, Stratford to be to to Bexley saying what a, I mean this is a man with children grandchildren and was just telling me that he just had the best day of his life and for me and my involvement in horse racing whether it's as a syndicate a person who runs a syndicate or somebody who sold somebody a share in a horse or actually somebody who just tipped somebody a Yankee it's it's, it's them it's honestly because I've been doing it I'm not saying I'm numb or comfortably numb like Pink Floyd said, like I love the winners and I love all of that, but I've always been sort of a giver apart from Andrew Adele. Uh, um, no, I, that gave me the greatest pleasure was like, this is a man who just said to me, I have had the best day of my life. And that was just a small race at Stratford for like, I think prize money was three grand or something. Um, yeah. That was it. I think, I think when I get an email, I used to get an email into the studio saying, thanks, buddy, I've just won two grand and I'm taking the family away. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's awesome. I can understand that. Never happens for yeah. me when I'm tipping dogs, but I do understand it. Um, I guess it was that that fed into you setting up the International Racing Club. We can see the, the logo behind you there. Yes, yes. To, to give pleasure almost. Tell us a bit more about the organisation. Sure. Um, so myself and my friend Michael de Haas started it um, five years ago now. Um, I always had horses and shares in horses, but I felt that there was a gap in the market. And the gap I identified was the, um, it's, it's all cool to have a syndicate in the UK, right? But how cool would it be if we were on holiday in Australia and the syndicate had a horse there as well. And you could go racing in Australia and be treated 
as if you owned the whole horse. That was what I thought, and that's what I did. So we have got horses in Australia, South Africa, England, and Ireland. Um, we're a non-profit syndicate, so if I buy a horse for 10 grand, I syndicate it for 10 grand. Um, so actually, the reality is Mike and I feed most of these horses every month because syndication is hard. Getting people to buy it is difficult. Not because there's a trust issue or whatever, but it's just hard in this day and age with COVID and everything. People aren't just saying, oh, yeah, it's a couple of grand. I'll buy a share in a horse. So obviously, we've got different um, models. And then, so that's on the syndication and horsey side. But under the same umbrella, I partnered up with Scott Ellis on the media side of it. So we run, we run tipping line, we run newsletters, we have golf days, et cetera, et cetera. And again, it's, it's not a lot of money to join our club. And it's all about what you make of it. And that's, I think, where horse racing is the greatest sport. Because, you know, I can say to you, listen, the horse, we had a horse running at Salisbury yesterday. Right. Um, so we went, a couple of the owners came along. Um, the, the horse ran second and, and the guys have sort of sent me a message last night, like, what a great day out. Food was superb. Salisbury staff were excellent, et cetera, et cetera. Now, um, obviously, if the horse wins, we can have more fun. Um, however, I learned, I learned from a man called Steve, Steve Sir. He's the number one host in Vegas. So our philosophy is our horse will run last, but you'll have the best day of your life. And it works, you know, because there can only be one winner. So it's what you make of it, Judy. Um, and that's what our club's about. If, 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 if you join our club and I invite you to lunch um, and, it, you know, it's included in your membership and you don't turn up for lunch, then I, I, can't, I can't encourage that enough. So, yeah, listen, um, five years we've had over, sure, I want to say over 80 wins. Um, we've been on a really good streak lately. We've had about 10 winners in the last um, two weeks. Uh, our horse, Winnetka, ran second yesterday at Bath. Um, we're a quite a proactive female club. So what I mean by that is um, Tony Carroll phoned me a couple of weeks ago and said, you've got a, a choice between, I won't name the male jockey, or Molly Phillips. Can she stay on? I said, absolutely, she stays on. Um, same in South Africa. We've, we had, we've got three lady trainers in South Africa. I don't feel there's enough ladies in horse racing for now. I, I, I don't. Um, and that's what we try and do, you know. So put a put a golf day together somewhere, tied in with going racing, you know, have a have a bit of a laugh. And yeah, that's what we try and do. Um, I think winning should always be treated as an absolute bonus. Um, because it's really it's a tough game. I mean, you know, and, and we're playing at this level, right? You know, somebody said to me the other day, I'd like to win the derby. I said, you've no problem. Give me five million pounds. I'll make a plan for you. Because that's, those are the numbers you're talking about. So at our level, a horse like Winnet has run third, sorry, second, third, third, second. That's given us so much pleasure. Mm. And it's running in a 61 handicap. It makes no difference. Mm. Yeah. So that's what we're about, having fun. It's such a nice attitude. Um, and you mentioned the tipping line or, or betting advice service, I think, as you call it. And, and that is profitable every month, isn't it? Where do the tips come yeah, no, from and how do people get involved in that? Uh, we're pretty good. Listen, everybody claims they're pretty good. There are a lot of very good people out there. Um, 
I, I, I just felt when we first, when Scott and I first discussed it, I didn't want to be a tipster. Um, I was already putting out stuff on Twitter whenever I remembered. Um, I wanted to, to give people more than that. So I spoke to your colleague, Hobbsy. I spoke to Stephen Bommel, who does the NFL. I've got, so I've got like a whole, I've got a guy, Warren Todd, who does the golf. So at some point in the week, somebody tips something that works out, right? And collectively over the month, we do okay. Um, but it's a hard game, eh? I mean, it's, it's a hard game, don't get me wrong. I think the secret is less is more. So we're pretty good at that. I don't think we put anything out today. Maybe only one or two things yesterday. Um, and like when it when it when I was on the telly, like I back them all myself. So there is a little bit of a soothing element in that. When when somebody knows that they've lost their hard-earned fifty, but the guy who's given it to you has lost two grand, then yeah, they they, they respect you a bit more. I, think, I really believe that. Um, I mean, you know, you work in that studio. There were days that I sat in that studio. I'm not going to say what I got paid for my shift, but I'm telling you, there were days that on a Saturday morning, I lost like three grand and I wasn't getting paid three grand for my shift, you know? But the difficulty with that environment is, and I always defend you and all my colleagues that I work with is, if at the races said to me, I had to be there between 11 and one to cover those races, then those are the races I've got to do. They're not necessarily races I would have bet in, you know? But I can't just sit there going, mm -hmm. so you give an opinion. And I refused to give an opinion without having a bet. So I was betting on, on horses that I probably wouldn't have bet on if I was at home. Um, because I think you can be quite successful if you're selective. Um, and then obviously education, education, education. Um, if I give you an even money shot, and you put 10 pound on and then I'll give you a 20 to one shot, don't put a pound on, put the same 10 pound on. And, you know, people get that wrong all the time. Well, Joao de Mata is uh, going to talk punting now. And uh, you don't count yourself as a professional punter. I know that. Maybe you can explain why. But also, given the fact that horse racing is your absolute passion, you also don't watch a lot of horse racing, which I find very surprising. Uh, yes, what I mean by that is, like I've got, I've got really good friends that'll watch the um, the ITV show in the morning, and then they'll sit all day and watch every race, one after the other, uh, have five beers, and 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 and, and um, then phone me and say, "Did you see that?" And I'll go, "Well, no, I haven't. I'm sorry. I, I'm sort of like out having lunch or playing golf or whatever. Um, if I have a bet, then I'll watch the race. And then what I'll do is." The way I study form means that I do end up watching what I need to watch, okay? Obviously, if somebody sends me a message saying, geez, did you see that thing when wherever, I'll have a look. But it's not, it's not because I don't love it. I just, I think you need to have a balance, right? I just, I, I like doing other things as well. <laughs> you know, there's, there's more to me than just giving away 70 hours a week watching racing. I, I, I also want to go for dinner and I want to play golf and I want to play poker and I want to take my son swimming and whatever. So obviously there's not enough hours in the day. If you think about it, the racing literally starts whenever the channel launched and it hasn't stopped. It's Australia, South Africa, French. I mean, where do you stop, right? So 
yeah, um, I'll watch some of the big races. I do go to Charlton every year for a couple of days. Um, I also, to be very honest, don't like dressing up. So I'd rather be barefoot in shorts. Than you and me dress both. Like a, <laughs> dress, like a, dress like a penguin with a hat on and sweating, getting bumped around. So, yeah, um, I think I do watch enough racing to be okay at doing what I do, which is trying to find value and winners. So how do you find the winners specifically? And also, you're obviously a very well-connected man in the world of horse racing. How important is inside information? Ah, the famous, the famous I heard them say, or they say. Listen, when somebody phones me up and says to me, this horse is catching pigeons, or we must see what this thing's doing, I'm like, yeah, leave me alone. I'm not interested. Um, uh, so for me, I'll tell you what inside information is for me. Inside information for me is my horse runs in a race. My trainer tells me that it's 100% ready. It ate all its food, et cetera, et cetera. It wins by a length. The horse that ran second beats the third horse by five lengths. I know how good my horse is. I know, therefore, more or less how good the second horse is. That's inside information for me. Some guys work this against that. Oh, leave me alone. I'm not interested in that. Oh, they, they just don't come off. I mean, I've been in the game a long time. You know, jockeys, tipping horses, trainers. No, it's very, very hard. Um, so no, I like to I like to uh, do my own thing. Yeah, um, specifically what I do. Um, well, I suppose at my age now, I might as well just let the cat out the bag, right? It doesn't really matter. It's too late to patent it. Um, so I'm a time guy. I like time. Okay? But unlike everybody else who compares time over averages or, 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 or ability or whatever, um, and while I'm talking to you, I'm just going to bring up a, today's results so I can give you an example. Um, I like to compare, so I do this every night, and that's when I watch races, okay? So I, I was going to bring Racing Post up quickly. So for me, this is a massive guide for me, and I, 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 everybody should do this, okay? So we had a race meeting at Ascot today. So I'll tell you how quick it is for me to find a really good performer. We'll start now. Okay, so six furlongs, seven furlongs, one mile, one mile, four, one mile. Okay, so it was two mile races, a class three and a class two at Ascot today. Okay, so there were two races at Ascot over a mile, half an hour apart, not a week apart, on the same day, same surface, same weather, everything's the same. I then look at the time for the class three and it says 141.90. I look at the time for the class two and it says 140.96, okay? That is expected, isn't it? The class two should have run faster than the class three. But about 40 times a year, you'll find it the other way around. And for me, that's where I take a lot of pointers from. What I'll do then is I'll put the horse that should have run slower into a tracker. I'll wait for it to run again, hopefully soon. I'll see what kind of race it is. I'll watch the replay. I'll look at the weights then. Because maybe it should have run faster because one carried um, 10 stone and the other one carried 8 stone 4. But if it's the other way around and it does happen, 
I use that as a massive pointer. So at Ascot today, there were two mile races. There were two six furlong races. There was a, a novice stakes over six, which ran in 155. And there was, an, uh, sorry, that was a seven. Uh, 155 and the other one ran in 150 whatever so i do it like that julie i like to compare time on the day same distance and then look for the for the well in your case it would be the a10 dog that ran the ace the faster time than the a5 dog i'm so gonna try this so gonna try it um same track same track same day and you managed to find you say about 40 horses a year you'll like find them yeah listen i You'll find them because especially you'll get a maiden stepped out or, you know, a class six horse that really runs a good time compared to a class four horse, for example. Now, when I first got to England, it was challenging to do something with us because you could only back horses each way. But today you can just, I can today have 800 places on a horse and 200 wins, right? I can take six to four place a horse that I think will win but I'd rather take 64 the first three and a couple of hundred wins. And if it gets beat based off my theory of time and it runs second or third, I'm still showing a profit. And nobody ever went bankrupt showing a profit, that's for sure. So yeah, I, that's what I do. I, I, I float through them. There's a class two and a class four at Haydock, a 110.84, 110.05. So the class two horse ran uh, six furlongs in one minute, 10 seconds. The class four horse ran in one minute, 10 seconds, 0.84. So it's 0.79 of a second slower. I would now look at this horse. And this was a novice stakes. This horse won a 28 to one. It beat a threes on shot. And I would gamble that with all due respect, Mr. David O'Mara doesn't know this, potentially got a nice horse on his hand. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and once you find these horses and you're obviously making money on these, how easy or difficult do you find it to get a bet on? No, no, no. Impossible. Impossible. So uh, I've, I've accepted the fact that I've got a couple of accounts left, not many. Um, but listen, I, I share them with my with the followers that we have. And and like I said, when, when somebody sends us a betting slip, I put up five horses two Saturdays, two Saturdays ago and one of our members did it 10 pound each way treble on three of our own owned horses and he's won 5,000 pounds for 20 quid. I'm like, Phew. awesome. Awesome. I've got a fiber optic and electrical business. That's okay. You know? But the reason you'd say you're not a professional punter is because it's just so hard to get on. Yeah. It's, okay. So yeah, it's hard to get on. And then obviously the other thing we're going to touch on is that I prefer to punt on the tote. Yeah. Which we're going to cover later, I'm sure. Well, we'll talk about that now. You're a massive believer in the tote, and you also like exotic bets, don't you? Yeah, I think that's the only way um, horse racing and the only the only betting you should do on horse racing or greyhound racing should be on a tote. Okay, the the, the worst thing that ever happened, and I love him, the worst thing that ever happened in Britain was Frankie won seven races because it created a culture of doubles, trebles, Yankees. And you can't really win money like that. I mean, you can every now and then, but honestly, like the Scoop 6 never took off. I know it didn't. And I know there's new people involved now. And, but nobody's ever asked me what I think, right? I'll tell you what I think. In South Africa, we have fractional betting. 
That means you can work out a scoop six for 5,000 pounds, but if you've only got a 50 quid in your pocket, you will get 0.001% of that pick six. Okay. Now, someone might still 0.001% is nothing. Well, sort of, but if it pays 100 grand and you've only laid out 50 and you're getting 1,000, it's all right, right? And that keeps it going, keeps the machine going. And funnily enough, what the tote does is, everybody moans about it, but what the tote does is it takes money and it puts it back into the sport, like in France, Hong Kong. And I know the pain that ground racing goes through because I've had a couple of grounds and the pain that horse racing goes through where we're racing for 1,200 quid, 1,400 quid. So I don't think it's ever going to happen. But yeah, I like the, I like the fact that you should... The, the average guy can just take a two-pound bet or a five-pound bet and scoop the pool. And if we all believed in that, like they do in Hong Kong, then the prices do hold. You can still have 40 grand or 50 grand on a seven-to-one shot. The price will hold if it's big enough. But I don't think we're ever going to get there. I think that ship has sailed. Um, yeah. So, no, I do, like, I do like tote betting. I do like taking my exactors and my my trifectas because yeah i think there's value there i think you can really win a lot of money for a little outlay it's really interesting it's almost like a, a theory of not being greedy almost yeah so for example julie there are, there are certain results in horse racing that you cannot fathom right i don't care who you are even if you're the owner of the horse that won or the dog that won you can you will not work out that result so I personally look at certain races that I don't even bother. I'll just put in what we, in South Africa, we just say field. So I'll just put in the field. So I'll, if I like a horse, I'll banker it and I'll put in the field if the next race is too hard. And that's where the money comes from because all of a sudden your horse wins and then there's like 75 to one shot wins and, and you're looking at scooping the pool or half the pool or a quarter of the pool or whatever it might be. And, and, and to achieve that back in winners, in doubles and trebles, I think it's very, very difficult. Very difficult. Before we leave you, uh, I want to just catch up on something that you're actually doing in conjunction with Star Sports because you're a, a bit of a pool fan as well and you're, you're getting involved in the sport. Well, <laughs> you're getting involved in the sport that, that maybe is, has been lacking a little bit. So tell us about what you're doing with Star Sports. Yeah, so um, I met Luke from Star Sports, I, I want to say Chester, but I might be wrong, but I met him at Chester or, or, or at an NFL uh, event and we just became mates and um, I was approached about about a month and a half, two months ago to sponsor a pool tournament, a pool tournament up in Leicester and the makeup of the tournament meant that I needed a bookmaker on board. So I approached Luke and um, at, at the moment it's just a something that the international racing club is doing um i've got luke on board as the as uh, as the bookmaker i've got a couple of charities that I've, I've always dealt with on board and yeah we're hosting an event up in leicester we'll be at leicester races on the 20th um and very kindly star sports have sort of agreed to to play along for the first one and hopefully it grows um evidently there isn't a lot of money in in pool um, I'm becoming an expert on it, but yeah, wherever I think wherever we can help, we always try and help. You know, um, we're doing a golf day. We're sorry, we're sponsoring a whole 
at a golf day for the Great Great Street St Norman's Hospital. I'm not quite sure how to say it. You know, um, we've done we've done a, a donation to the IJF, the Injured Jockeys Fund. We always try to do something to give back. Like I said, it's not about the money. Always, it's never been about the money. I'd rather I'd rather tip the jackpot straight line, and a lot of people win money and and just go out for a nice meal with and just party. To be honest. Um, Obviously, we haven't done that for 18 months. I'm so looking forward to being able to travel again. I've got an excellent trip booked for the Breeders' Cup where I'm taking some of our clients over. And yeah, they turn out to be epic and and, and we build memories with friends and that, that's what the International Racing Club's about. And actually, that's what I'm about. I'm quite an extrovert. I like people and yeah, um, those that didn't know that, you do know now. Well, I think that really comes across, to be fair, and uh, I've really enjoyed this chat. I'm sure the viewers will as well. And um, uh, yeah, if people want to get involved, they'll, they'll know where to find you now. And I, I hope they'll find do. us. Thank you so they'll much. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll catch up again soon. But for now, take care. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Judy. Look out for our regular money back offers, including Pips at the Post on selected horse racing and Saved by the 90s for all Premier League and televised championship matches. BeGambleAware.org over 18 only.